It's good to be back. I loved you guys. I missed you last week. You know, it just takes like one week away, and I'm like, man, I miss these guys. I miss you guys. I love you. If you're online, I love you too. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here at Arise Church, and we are all about helping people follow Jesus, meaning we want to help you follow Jesus, and for you in turn to help others follow Jesus, because following Jesus is the path to the fullest life and the only path to eternal life. We want that for you, and we want to help you today with your anger. If you're like me, you need some help with your anger, okay? I confessed in the very first sermon I did this year that anger is the issue that I really need to work on in my life, that it is something that I, I dealt with a long time ago, and yet it is coming back. <laughs> Don't say it came back. It's coming back. Like with three kids now, three little kids, I feel like my frustration and my anger levels are higher uh, again, because they were back in the day. I'll talk about that. But, but I'm feeling it again that sometimes I take out that anger on people like my wife or my kids, and they are not even the ones necessarily who made me anger. And I, and I realized, like, I'm struggling with this, so I confessed that to you guys and said, this year is the year I'm really going to focus on that. So I had scheduled, you know, now we're almost five months into the year, I'd scheduled, hey, I'm going to preach a message on anger here in April or May. And I'm like, okay, so I got to read, study, pray, try to work on this so I can share with something with you guys about this. So I have learned some stuff, hopefully, that, that I've been able to apply to my life that I can pass on to you. So I'm sharing this with you as a fellow learner. Okay, I'm saying, hey, I needed this, so hopefully you can benefit from this as well. If you're here and you're like, Matt, I am peaceful and calm, I never get frustrated with anybody, never raise my voice, then you can sit back and pray for the rest of us today. But if you're like me and you're like, no, sometimes I get frustrated, sometimes I get really angry, sometimes I say things and I regret saying them, or sometimes I don't even regret it and that makes me even more afraid of my anger. And if that's you, this message is definitely for you because we're going to learn that we can be free of anger today. So I believe that this message is going to really speak to some people like it did to me. And our, our main passage today, today is going to be Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open with me to Ephesians chapter 4, the last two verses of that chapter, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. And um, if you have a smartphone, you can use the YouVersion Bible app, find our event, and save the scripture, because we're going to cover other scriptures today, and you can take some notes right there. But we're going to look at these two verses, and I want to start by reading them. So in verse 31, you guys ready? You guys all there? Ephesians 4.31, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's our scripture for today, and I want you to look specifically at verse 31. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Get rid of all of it, okay? I, I, I'm breaking this to you guys again. The word all in Greek means all in English. There's just no way around it. It means all the anger you got. And specifically here, it's like every kind of anger. So if you see in here, it's like, okay, it starts with bitterness. That's when you allow anger to kind of seep down into your soul and it becomes this root in there and you're just bitter all the time. Maybe you know someone like that. Maybe you're like that. Bitterness is a form of anger. Rage is when that anger boils, bubbles out, and explodes on other people. That's 
a very uh, violent form of anger it can be, and then just anger, right? Okay, in case you were like, okay, just a generic type of anger, and then it says brawling and slander. This means anger that comes out in physical altercations and anger that comes out in verbal altercations, right? Whether you do something physically or say something, along with every form of malice. So malice, of course, is hatred when that anger gets into your heart and makes you cause to hate another person, have malice towards them. So if you're like, well, I didn't see my kind of anger in there, well, it's in there, okay? It's covered. Apply it to your form of anger, frustration that you are dealing with right now because Paul is saying it's time to get rid of that. Two weeks ago, we talked about throwing away our anxiety, throwing it at God, throwing it away. And we can almost say the same thing. It's like, let's get rid of, let's throw away this anger. And that's what we're going to talk about today, to be free of anger. That we can do that. And we should do it. We're commanded to do that. And what I want you to know about anger as we dive into this passage is that it will come in your life. And you've got to learn how to surf the waves. Okay? I don't know if you have any surfers in here. Anybody is a surfer in here? You can raise your hand. Um, I, was, I was a little kid. I lived in Southern California until I was seven and moved to Colorado. And, and so I was a little too young to surf, but I did go out boogie boarding, right? And then whenever you're boogie boarding or when you're out in the ocean, you know that the waves come and they keep coming. Sometimes they're light, gentle waves and sometimes they're huge monstrosities. But no matter what, the waves keep coming. They never stop. And in the same way, that's how anger is. Sometimes it's these little things that are frustration, and you're like, oh, that's not a big deal. It's just a little thing that upsets me. Who cares? I can deal with it. But then there's some big waves that come, major things that make you angry and upset. How could that happen? How could that person say that to me? And you get so angry. And those big waves coming. And the problem with it is it's not just one wave, is it? There's another wave behind it and another one behind that. And if you don't learn how to ride the waves, to surf the waves then that anger will come crashing down on you again and again and again. So that's why today we're going to learn how to surf the waves of anger because they keep coming. But if we can learn to put ourselves in the right position, get your body right and ready, and then you get your feet up there, and if you can ride that wave, you can actually be, in, in a sense, realize when that's coming, and you can ride it in a way that does not cause damage to yourself or other people. And that's what we mean by free of anger in this message, because the anger will come again. But we've got to learn how to write it. And the word surf, yes, is our acrostic for today. So we're going to have four letters today, four points in our message. If you're taking notes, I'm going to make Rick Warren proud today with this one, surf. And there's four things we're going to learn. So how can we actually be free of anger? Are you guys ready for this? Paying attention. So if you're taking notes, the first one, the S, is that we need to slow your response. You will get angry. There will come a wave. And when that emotion hits, you need to slow your response to it. Slow your response to it. So, um, you know, uh, two weeks ago when we started this Brainwash series, we're talking about that voice in your head that can be a very negative voice. Um, two weeks ago we talked about the anxiety that it's causing you to worry and, and think about all those different things. And then last week Steve Cuss was here. Wasn't he good? 
I hope, I hope you were here. Somebody already's like, I listened to it three times this week. I'm like, wow, you've never listened to my message more than once. But, but no, it was so good. I listened to it, and I thought, oh, man, I need to listen to it again. And I've read his book. I already know what the material was. But it's, it's so good, um, and it helped us with that inner critic that we have, wrangling it. Because sometimes that voice in our head is so negative towards ourselves that causes a lot of our anxieties as we are like, you're an idiot. You're, why did you do that stupid thing? How could you have done it? Like that, that negative voice towards ourselves. I spoke with one person in our church, and they're like, man, I don't have a voice that's like negative towards me. And I was like, good for you. <laughs> Why are you bragging? Okay. But they were like, but I do have a negative voice towards other people in my head. You guys know what I'm talking about? The voice like, what an idiot. You might not say it out loud, but you're like, did they stop teaching kids how to count in school? Can't you do anything right? You work at a cash register. Like, get the job done. You're angry because uh, they delivered your package to the wrong house. How could they be so stupid? Or, or you think about that person and that thing they did to you, and you recall about how foolish they are and all the things that they have done in the past. And that voice in your head is just like, they deserve something awful. And, and, and maybe even you're telling them stuff in your head. Have you ever done that? You're the one, like, you're just playing out this imaginary courtroom in your head, yelling at this person. And that voice in your head is the voice of anger. And we've got to learn how to free ourselves from it because we will have anger. So what we need to do is before we respond verbally, we, before we respond physically, before we do something, we need to slow our response. The emotion comes, you start talking in your head. Before you do anything, we need to slow our response down. That's the first step. And this is actually a very biblical concept. In this very chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, just a few verses prior to our two that we're focusing on today, in verse um, 26, Paul writes, In your anger, do not sin. You could also translate it as, When you're angry, meaning you will get angry. Do you see that? But when you do, don't sin. Meaning, anger itself is not sinful. It is not sinful to have that emotion of anger because when things happen, there are some very bad things that happen in our lives. And when they happen, to get angry is not bad in and of itself. How we respond to that anger is what can be bad. In your anger, when you're angry, do not sin. And that's why before you do anything, slow down your response time. And you need to slow it down, slow it down, and delay it as much as you can. That's the first step some of you need to learn when it comes to your anger. This is what God does. Did you know that God gets angry? He does. He gets angry because there are things in our world that deserve getting angry about. There's injustices, there's racism, there are problems, there's suffering, there's evil, Satan's running among. There are things that God is angry about. God gets angry at our sin because we're hurting ourselves and others. And he's like, I love you, what are you doing? But God, we're told again and again and again, is someone who is slow to anger. This is like part of his character, part of his nature. He gets angry, but he is slow to anger, meaning he's slow to respond to that emotion. He's slow to anger. Let me show you one of the verses that says this. In Psalm 103, 8, the psalmist writes, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He's slow to anger. This is one of at least nine times in the Old Testament that God is described as slow to anger. And there's several more in the New Testament. This is something over and over again. We see God is slow to anger. He doesn't just get mad right away. And we all know that because if we've seen bad things happen, we're like, where's the lightning bolt? 
Like if you're looking around for the lightning bolt or when the, the building's going to collapse on that person for what they did, it's like, no, no, God is slow to anger. He is compassionate. He's loving. He wants people to have a time to repent. That's his kindness, giving people a time to change before he responds in anger. That phrase, slow to anger, in Hebrew is an idiom. It's, it's really interesting because in the Hebrew, it literally says that God is long in the noses. Weird phrase, right? He's long in the noses. And it's because when we get angry, what happens to our nose? It gets red. The nostrils flare. This is like how we physically respond in anger. And God has a long nose, meaning it takes a very long time for those nostrils to flare and for it to turn red and for him to do something about his anger. And if that's the way God is, we must be like that. We, we challenge people here to follow Jesus, and following Jesus doesn't mean we just sit back and we're an admirer, like, oh, he's so cool, right? No, no, following Jesus means becoming like him. And Jesus, as the Son of God, representing God as a human being, he too was slow to anger. And so we must become like Jesus. We must become like our Father in heaven, slow to anger. In fact, Jesus' brother James would teach us that in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. And in verse 20, it goes on, and slow to become angry. Don't talk so quick. Listen, slow down, and become slow to become angry. Because human anger, he writes, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, this is important for us to hear because some of us are like, isn't there a righteous anger? Like God has a righteous anger. Jesus had a righteous anger when he marched into the temple and flipped over the tables, when he yelled at the Pharisees for what they were doing. Yes, there is a righteous anger because if bad things happen, we should be angry about them. However, James teaches us, as we saw in that passage, our human anger doesn't get it right. We, he says, never actually get it right because God is perfect. He is perfect to know that he will respond in the right way, at the right time, with the right words, with the right actions, and he will do it exactly right. When we get angry, we raise our voice a little too much. I didn't yell, I just raised my voice a little, right? And we hurt the person. We say some things that, yes, maybe they did something wrong, but then we come in and say something really rude and awful to that person, and it's like, well, we've contributed. Now we've added a wrong to the wrong, and now who's right? Okay, now everybody's wrong. That's what we do. We don't do it at the right time. We don't do it at the right tone, with the right words. Our anger is never perfect. God, on the other hand, knows someone's thoughts, feelings, how they were raised, what has happened to them in their life, so that he can respond exactly as he should, but we don't know those things. I love the story Steve Cush shared last week when he's like, I was really angry because a family was trying to get off the plane out of order and they were running to the front, so he like stood in the way to try to block them. Did you love this story? And then he found out afterwards that there was the teenage girl who was having a panic attack and trying to get off the plane. And boy, did he feel bad, right? We don't know everything. God knows everything. That's why he can respond with perfect, righteous anger, and we need to slow down our response because we never get our response perfect. But if we slow it down, maybe we can get it a little better, right? Maybe we can get it a little better to think about it, to process it, to pray through it. So I want to challenge you for this first idea to slow your response. So how do we do that? 
Well, what I have learned to do, and this was the first time that I dealt with anger in my life and was really trying to work with it, I was taught something called a breath prayer. And this is an old Jesuit practice. And the breath prayer is basically you're breathing in and you say half a prayer, and as you breathe out, you say the other half of a prayer. So what I started doing, and I still do it to this day, when I breathe in, I'd say, Lord, Son of David, and as I'd breathe out, I'd say, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on my on a sinner. So when I'm at my angriest, I just start breathing. Nobody hears me say that, but if you walk up on me and I'm breathing real hard, like, no, I'm probably angry, okay? I'm dealing with it. I'm processing, and I'm slowing down my response because instead of just snapping right away, I want to slow down that response and delay it as much as possible until I've calmed down a little bit more. I've tried to delay my response, so that's the first thing. And maybe it's a breath prayer for you. You can write your own prayer, whatever you want to pray, breathing in, breathing out, and you just kind of do it until you're a little bit more calm. You could maybe go on a walk, okay? Going on a walk, going on a run, going on a drive is some way that you can delay your response to the thing that makes you angry. Maybe when you're in a relational conflict, you need to take a time out. <laughs> this is actually a good thing. If you know I'm getting so angry that I'm about to do something that I shouldn't, the response is going to be sinful, say, hey, I need a time out. And I just say this, if you're the one calling the timeout, you need to say when you're going to call time in, okay? Say, hey, I'm just going for a half hour on a walk. I'll be back in a half hour, and we can finish this conversation. Or else you'll leave, and they're like, well, I guess our marriage is over, okay? They're moving out. That's, this happens, like seriously. Okay, so if you're going to take a timeout for your own life, for your own relationship, make sure you say, hey, this is when we're going to have a time in. But taking that delay, pausing, delaying, slowing down your response is the first step to dealing with your anger to riding that wave as it comes, slow your response. So that's the first thing that we need to do is S, slow your response. The second thing then, in, and what you should be doing in this time as you're thinking about it, is that you should you uncover the offense. It's the you and surf, uncover the offense. Look back with me at verse 32 of Ephesians 4. Paul, right after saying, get rid of all those different types of anger, then he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is interesting. He's saying that the way to get rid of our anger, all those different forms of anger that we have, is to forgive someone who has offended you or something that has offended you. This means there is a connection here. Do you guys see this? Now, at the start of this year, I was like, man, I'm just dealing with this anger again more because I got kids, I got to wake up in the morning, and the coffee just does not hit quick enough. Like, don't talk to me before the coffee, um, and, and if you do, like, it's your own fault. So I was just thinking, I'm like, man, I'm just dealing with this, like, little underlying frustration and anger all the time. And, and so it's not necessarily a, a kid talking to me or Melissa talking to me or... or somebody first thing in the morning talking to me, that, that they're doing something that's offending me. So, so when I was originally thinking about this message, I thought I was going to preach something completely differently. But the more I studied and prayed and, and read God's word, I realized, no, the problem is that someone has offended me, but it might not be in that moment. I might be carrying a frustration and anger that I've been carrying around for weeks, months, years. But then it's built up, built up, built up, so in that little moment, someone just touches you with the finger, and boom, bomb goes off. Know what I'm talking about, or am I the only one, okay? Either you've done it, or you've done it to someone else, and you're like, what I did was not worthy of that response, right? 
You know what I'm saying? And it's because those offenses have piled up and piled up and piled up. So in that moment, as you begin to delay your response, what you need to do is uncover what the offense actually is. What is it? Who is it? Now, there are three sources of who offends us. One, other people. Like, that's the most obvious, that someone has done something to you. It could be in your past, it could be a parent, it could be a sibling, it could be a friend, it could be a coworker, a boss that fired you, and you can go back and you can be like, yes, that person wronged me. They offended me in some way. They hurt me. So that's the first source. It could be the second source, yourself. Sometimes we're the meanest to ourselves. You let yourself down. You knew better than that. Why did you do that? And we tell ourselves that. Like that's that inner critic. Like how could you do that? How could you have been the one that did that thing? And you're beating yourself up and you're angry at yourself. You offended yourself. Next week we're going to talk specifically about how to deal with that guilt and that shame from the past. It's so important we're going to focus just on that. But sometimes we need to realize the person who's offended me is me. I'm the one who messed up. It might even be I'm the one who scheduled way too much stuff this week. And that's why I'm frustrated and angry at everybody. Nobody made me do this stuff. I said yes to everything. I should be angry at me, not them. But yet they're the ones that receive the bad end of your anger, right? So sometimes the the second source is ourselves. The third source can be God. Now, God never sins, never does anything wrong, but sometimes we feel offended by what God has done. We say, how could God have allowed this thing to happen to me? Or I've been tithing this month. I've been doing really good and serving, and yet I got passed up for that promotion. How could you, God? I deserve this. Not Nancy. Like, come on, you just get angry, right? And your anger is caused by God. And it's not because he is sinning or doing anything wrong. Hear me on this. But we can get offended at what he has done. And when that's the case, we need to do the hard work to uncover what the offense is. So that's our second point, right? Uncover the offense. So how do you do that? Well, you need to take some time to figure it out. Maybe you need to sit down with a journal and ask God, God, why am I so angry at this situation? Why did that set me off? Well, it might not have been that little finger that pushed you, but it could be something from last week or last month. Dudes... Y'all are really bad at this. I say that because I'm a dude too, right? Okay, I know that men are typically worse at uncovering their own emotions. So you might need to talk with someone else to uncover what it is that's offending you. Melissa is so good at this for me because I'm really bad at it. I might be angry, I might explode on her, and it has nothing to do with her. I remember early on in our marriage, I've shared this story before, but um, I was cooking eggs that we were going to eat, frying the eggs, making them over easy, and I broke every single one of the yolks. I was so angry. I threw the frying pan. I yelled. And Melissa's like, whoa, I don't even care. Like, I like scrambled eggs. Like, <laughs> and it took me a while to figure out, why was I so angry with broken yolks? But as she talked with me, she's like, well, what is it really, Matt? What, why, like, who cares about what type? And I realized it's because my dad had been a short-order cook, and he made the best eggs. Perfect, over-easy eggs every time. And now that I'm a husband, I feel like I need to make perfect eggs. And I'm not. 
I'm mad at myself for not being able to be a good husband. And then even just the thought of that, like, that's ridiculous. Melissa wants scrambled eggs anyways, right? Why am I beating myself up? So I needed to realize the offense was internal, but she helped me uncover that. So to have a spouse, a friend, a good Christian friend can go a long way to just say, I'm so angry, help me figure this out. Melissa will sit down with me and she's like, what's really bothering you? Maybe you need to sit down with a therapist or a counselor and just say, I feel like I just have so much anger, help me with this. Help me uncover some of the offenses that have been maybe laying dormant for years or decades. But the thing is that things build and build and build and you got more anxiety and those things that you have not dealt with in the past, even decades ago, can come out on anger and cause you to explode now. That's why we have to do the hard work of uncovering what the offense is. But this is just the second step. Have you noticed this? It's just the second step. We gotta have a third step. And I say this because this third step is so dang important And sadly, you don't get this anywhere else. You just don't. And the third step is to R, remember the gospel. The word gospel means good news. Remember the good news of Jesus. You gotta remember it. You gotta retell yourself that. You gotta recall it. And you gotta remember that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. And because God loves you so much that he's willing to do that and forgive you, it helps you then move ahead in your anger. Look at the verse with me uh, again in verse 32 where it says, get rid of all bitterness and anger. And in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. How do you get rid of anger? You forgive the offense. How do you forgive the offense? Know that you are forgiven. Jesus died to forgive you of your sins and God loves you and he sees you and he has compassion on you in your sin. And if God does that for you, it's gonna help you move forward with the anger you feel towards someone else or towards yourself. This is so important, and I think this is what's missing from our world. I feel like our world has gotten really good at uncovering the offense. They can dig it out, and they can find out this person did this, this politician did that. Oh, that, this is, has to happen decades ago. This was hundreds of years ago. Causes In our world today, people are so angry because they've figured out who actually hurt them and did the wrong. Now, these are real wrongs, real injustices, that have been uncovered and unearthed, but they have nothing to do, they don't know what to do at that point, and that's why people get on Twitter, they post something on Facebook, and we're like, whoa, that came out of you? Like, they go on Fox News, they go on CNN, and everybody's angry everywhere all the time. Because we've been good at uncovering the offense, but then what do you do with it? How do you move past it? This is a real wrong. This is a real hurt. How do we move on to the next step? And if you look around in the world, you will not find this step, because it's only found and following Jesus, and it's the gospel that you are forgiven in Jesus Christ. And because you are forgiven, it can change your very heart. I read this uh, really fascinating book in preparation for this series, and it's called How God Changes Your Brain. It's written by a non-Christian. Two neuroscientists just wanted to study what happens with faith, religion, meditation, all that kind of stuff, prayer, to your brain. So they did, looked at all different studies. They ran a bunch of their own to see what happens in your brain that, that causes these different things spiritually. So one of the interesting things is the way anger works in your brain that they found is that anger shoots these neurochemicals in your brain that disrupts and interrupts the working of your frontal lobe. 
Your frontal lobe is important because that's where you're rational and you think, <laughs> okay? And you can think logically through things. But when you're angry, you lose all rationality. You know what I'm talking about? You felt that. You've seen other people. You talk with them and you're like, why are you? You're like, that doesn't even make sense, right? But they're so angry, they stop thinking rationally. And it's even worse because you don't even realize you're not thinking rationally. In the moment, you think you're doing exactly what you should be doing. You start justifying yourself. Of course I should be acting this way because I'm angry. That's what anger does in our brain. Causes our frontal lobe to stop working. This is why when you've ever de dealt with an angry customer or an angry child or whatever, they are so angry and you, if you try to reason with them, it goes nowhere, right? Well, what's really fascinating as I read this book is they started doing some research that even in those moments of anger in your brain, if people begin to see or experience love, compassion, or forgiveness, it actually causes a part of the brain called the anterior cingulate to suppress the impulse of anger in your brain and cause your frontal lobe to start working again. So they would like show people in images of people that are happy, smiling, loving. They would show videos of, of that kind of stuff. And people's brains would actually begin to change. And even in the moment of anger, they would calm down, slow down, and begin to have some healing. The anger, if left unchecked, will actually cause damage to your frontal lobe. So the longer you're anger, angry, the less logical and rational you'll become. You know any people like that in your life? But if you have that forgiveness and love that you experience, it begins to heal your brain. This is neuroscience. These are not even Christians saying this. They, they found in particular that when forgiveness is experienced and expressed, it causes even more healing to your brain in the process. There's a renewing of your mind, and that's why remembering the gospel is so important in that step. When you're anger, angry, you need to realize, I am loved. God cares for me. And it's not just like once I get out of my anger and I start acting better, then God will love me. No, no, no. He loves me in that moment and has forgiveness for me at my angriest when I want to rip someone's head off. When I have in the past punched someone, maybe that's you. God loves you right then and has compassion for you. And if you experience it, it begins to calm and renew and refresh your brain. So now that anger, that wave, isn't quite as big of a wave as it was the last time. Because I've experienced love and forgiveness. This is why when you have an angry kid, sometimes the best thing you can do, they're throwing a fit. Sometimes you just need to grab them, hug them, and love them until they calm down. If you try to reason with them, it goes nowhere, right? But we as adults, we usually don't have someone who's going to do that for us. So we got to remember that God is doing that for us. He loves us. If he could, he would give you a big hug right now. In your anger, in your sin, he loves you the most. He forgives you. He wants to wrap you in his arms. And when you begin to see that and experience that, it heals, renews your brain. This is why this point is so important, guys. You don't get it anywhere else. If you're not a follower of Jesus, like you need this, you can't find it anywhere else. You need the love and compassion that we can find to know that we are forgiven. And once you begin to do that again and again and again, like it doesn't even matter what the offense is. Because some people, like, when you're like thinking about this next step, they're like, I don't know if I can do it. The fourth step, you guys ready for it? Taking notes, the F in surf is to forgive. Pretty simple. 
Once we've slowed our response, once we've uncovered the offense, once we've remembered the gospel, we must then go and forgive the person who sinned against us. We must forgive God in a sense, just realizing like he's smarter than I am. He knows what he's doing. To forgive ourselves, because if God has forgiven me, how can I hold a grudge against myself? I'm not a better judge than God is, okay? So we need to forgive And that step is so important because some people, what they do is they're like, well, yeah, I've done some bad stuff, but I haven't done what that person did to me. They really hurt me. I would never do that to anyone for as long as I'd live. How could I then forgive them? But if you remember the gospel, what you start to do is say, yeah, but the reason maybe I haven't done that is because God has forgiven me. And because he's healed me, I haven't gotten to the point where I've been that angry and been that sinful to do such an awful thing. It's by the grace of God you haven't gone out and murdered someone. Seriously. Okay, it's his grace, it's his forgiveness that even does that. So then we can go out and forgive any offense against us, any hurt, any pain. And that is the power that comes through us as we remember the gospel. We go out to forgive Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. How? Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We must find the kindness and compassion even towards people who have wronged us severely. And we must forgive them because we have been forgiven. The word forgive means to let go of your opportunity for vindication, for response, for retribution. It might be deserved. They legitimately hurt you, you want to hurt them back. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. They might deserve it for what they've done. But forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to seek retribution. I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm going to let go of my job of being the judge, jury, and executioner. I'm going to let go of that. I'm going to forgive. This means in your head... When you're thinking through, oh, the next time I see that person, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind, and this is what I'm going to say. Have you guys ever done this? And you're talking to them, and you're like, oh, my gosh, that monologue is so good as you're just tearing them apart. They have nothing to say in response. You just brought them to theirs. They are weeping in your head, right? You've got to let go of that. Forgiveness means, no, 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 I'm not even going to do that. You might be like, I want to get them back. I want to ruin their reputation. If other people knew about them, what I know about them, and you just think, oh, if I just told this person, it would ruin their reputation. Okay, no, we're letting go of that. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to seek that retribution against that person who has legitimately wronged me. That's what forgiveness is. And that's that fourth and final step. If we want to deal with these waves, because they will come, and guess what? There's going to be another offense. Sometimes it's the same person doing it again. Sometimes it's something even worse the next time. Those waves come, and unless we learn how to forgive people, those waves will crash down on us and cause us either to explode on other people in anger or implode internally with anger. We've got to learn to forgive and let go, and then you can really ride those waves the way you're supposed to, to forgive. I remember talking with someone uh, a few years back who was really struggling to forgive someone, a family member who had really hurt them. Like it was a real legitimate offense. And they're like, and it just keeps happening. Like how many times am I supposed to forgive them? And I'm like, well, how many times has God forgiven you? It's like, well, every time. What, what about in the future? What if they do it again? Like I might forgive them for the past, but what if they're going to do it again? And I said, well, what if you sin against God in the future? Do you want him to forgive you? 
How many times? Well, I'll tell you what I want. I want infinity, okay? I want no end. Like, sure, I'm going to repent and I'm going to try my, I don't want to sin again. But if I do, like, I want to know that God still has forgiveness for me. Don't you? Like a blank check of all our sins forgiven, past, present, and future. That's what I want. And that's what Jesus purchased for us on the cross. And if God is willing to do that for us, we must then forgive and forgive and forgive 77 times 7. Again and again. We must forgive no matter the offense, no matter how, it is, how bad it is. And if you're saying, well, Matt, I don't feel like it, that's not what forgiveness is about. See, angry, being angry actually feels good sometimes, right? You know what I'm talking about? You're holding that grudge, you're holding that anger, and uh, it kind of feels good to imagine punching them, right? To even punch a punching bag and think of that person, right? It feels good to do that. And that's why it's hard to forgive, because we never feel like we want to forgive a person. But forgiveness, as, as we have to pull up this quote, forgiveness is not a feeling from Gary Chapman. It's a commitment. It's a commitment we must make as followers of Jesus. If we have been forgiven, we must forgive. What we received, we pass on to others. It's not a feeling. You might not ever feel like forgiving. But you make, must make that commitment to forgive. Gary Chapman, um, you might know, he's the author of The Five Love Languages, which has sold like 25 million copies. He's a marriage counselor, has been a counselor for over three decades. And he wrote a good book on anger. And in his book, he, he shares um, that there's a lot of people that have been carrying anger and, and unforgiveness for decades. And it becomes that bitterness, it becomes rage, it can become hatred, and people carry it for so long. He, he said he's seen it again and again and again. He tells one story that he was giving some teaching on anger and forgiveness, and because he's a Christian, he was teaching that, hey, you need to be forgiven by God, remember the gospel, and go forgive others. And he said a woman come up, came up to him named Margaret after he finished teaching, and Margaret um, was someone um, who had been angry and bitter for 22 years. She came up to him. As she's explaining her story, she is in tears. Because Margaret, um, when she was just a teenager, she was in college, she was struggling with an eating disorder, went to see a therapist, and that therapist raped her. And she got pregnant. She decided to keep the child and she, when she finally told someone what happened, they tried to press charges, and because it was he said, she said, nothing ever happened of it. And so she just carried this anger and resentment towards this man who was supposed to be helping her. That's a legitimate offense, right? And this anger, and she said that anger she carried around for 22 years, and it destroyed every single relationship with a man she ever tried to have. She was just angry at everyone. And she had a beautiful daughter, which was great, but it also was a reminder constantly of what had happened to her. And she, she, she came up to Gary Chapman at the end of one of his teaching on, on forgiveness and anger. She was crying and she said, you know, I've realized in your talk that the anger I felt has been destroying my life. Sure, what he did was wrong. She said, but I have been the one who's chosen to carry this around in my heart for 22 years. She said, today I've decided to let go and forgive. To move past this. And she said, the tears you're seeing right now are tears of joy because I'm finally able to let go of this anger that I've held for so long. 
And she turned and walked away. I think theologian Lewis Smedes is right when he says that to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. So some of you have been carrying around anger and frustration for far too long because you, what your parents did, the coach did, what your siblings and friends did to you and how they hurt you. Maybe it's an anger at, at a boss who fired you, a client who didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Maybe it's because you ordered something from Amazon and it came in the wrong package. We have this anger that's been building and building and building, and it's time to forgive, to forgive others, to forgive ourselves, and to forgive God, to let go. That's the way to be rid of anger, to be free of anger. We've talked about it. There's these, these four simple steps. Slow your response, uncover the offense, remember the gospel, and forgive. And if you learn to do that, the anger will come again. There will be more offenses. Bad things will happen in your life. But if you can ride that wave and realize, I, I can make it through, I can make it to the end and forgive, then we can let go and the waves become easier and easier and easier to ride. And then you won't blow up on everyone around you. So let's learn how to forgive. You know, I told you I've been struggling with this and... Um, I decided, I was like, I probably have some people to forgive in my life. That's probably why I've been building this frustration and anger. And so I started making a list. <laughs> yeah, it was a list. Write it on a note card on the, on the left-hand column. I wrote the person's name. And there were a lot of names. I have to say this, guys. I'm confessing to you, right? And on the right-hand column, I wrote down what that person had done or said. Some of them were legitimate. Some of them were like, well, that person didn't know better. But some of them were like, yeah, that person really hurt me. And I wrote down name after name. I took all this last week to think and pray about it. I'd add another name, add another thing that that person did to me. And then last night I took all those cards and I burned them. And as I burned each one of them, I prayed that I could forgive that person, that God would bless them. And man, it felt good. And if ever I bring those things to mind again, if Satan tries to tell me that that person has hurt me and or I'm thinking in my head, oh, I can't wait to see that person again. Or I see them and I get angry again. I'm going to do the same thing again. I don't want to hold on to this anger. And I don't think you guys want to either. So it's time to let go. And forgive those people who have wronged us. To forgive ourselves. And to move on. In the freedom that is found only in Jesus Christ. So we're going to take communion together right now. This is a great way to remember the gospel, isn't it? Do you know every time we take communion, we remember the gospel? Every time you come here on a Sunday, we tell you the gospel, that Jesus loves you, that he died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. Because we need it every week. This is why you should be here every single week. You should be tuning, on, tuning in online every week. And when we take communion together, it's for a remembrance. Jesus says, do this whenever you take it in remembrance of me. To remember that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That he shed his blood, every ounce of it, to forgive you while you were still a sinner. And he cried out on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His last breaths. When we remember that, how could we not then go out and forgive the people who have wronged us? Now I say this because some of you in here are not a follower of Jesus yet, and this means nothing to you yet. But I want it to. I want you to have that power and that freedom in your life. 
And to find it, you must make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Receive his gift of forgiveness and you can begin to walk in a new way of living, have your brain renewed. There could be healing from past hurts and offenses and you can move into a new life being of freedom and forgiveness following Jesus. So I wanna give you the opportunity right now before we take communion to say a simple prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So would everybody close your eyes with me and please repeat this prayer after me. If you're a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud to give courage to somebody who needs to pray it the first time. Please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Save me, forgive me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Give me the gift of eternal life. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and to love others and to forgive others for the rest of my life. Now with eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time and meant it, if Jesus today is your Lord and Savior, we just wanna celebrate with you, so could you put your hand in the air on the count of three? One, two, three. Put your hand in the air if you made that decision today. If you're online, go to risedenver.com follow. We would love to celebrate with you. And Lord God, for all of us, we all struggle with anger, with frustration, at little things, at big things. Help us to forgive right now as we remember that we are forgiven. Amen. Okay, we're going to take communion together. If you're here in person, on your seat should be one of these cups. And if you could just open up the top, there should be a cracker in there, a wafer. If you're online, go ahead and, and find a cracker, some bread, um, and then some juice or, or a drink that you can take as we can remember what Jesus did for us. If you could take out that, that cracker first. For the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had broken it, he said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Take and drink. Lord Jesus, we remember what you did and we proclaim your death until you come again. Let us feel and experience that love, compassion, and forgiveness so that our brains can be healed our minds can be restored and renewed, and we can go out of here as people of peace and calm, even in the face of a world filled with outrage and anger. Let us be your agents of peace and reconciliation in this world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.